Thank you for joining us. We pray that as you listen today, that you are encouraged and inspired. And we would love for you to connect with us on social media. Now here's today's message. Power and dominion, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creepeth thing and creepeth upon the earth. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth. All means all. We're supposed to be in charge, folks. Look at somebody and say, we're supposed to be in charge. We're supposed to be victors and not victims. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail. Amen? God bless you. you may be seated. We're so glad you're here today. I'm talking about why does God allow bad things? Because that's the question I'm most asked by those that are not believers. Why does I would believe in his God, but he allows so many bad things. And then some people think that he caused them. Every hurricane, every tornado, every cancer, every car wreck, all of that is the will of God. And then somebody always says, well, everything happens for a purpose. That's not true. That's simply not true. We have to realize what's going on in this world. Friend, if you are constantly surprised by what's going on, after a while you're going to be overtaken. I'm not surprised by what I see. I've read the book and studied the book most of my life, and so I'm not surprised. I know exactly what is happening. The Bible said in the garden, Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, ate of it, and when they did, they gave away their dominion. God gave dominion to man, and man gave dominion to Satan. And at that point in time, man was in league, in covenant with the adversary. Jesus did something to, to prevent that from being perpetual. He took them out of the garden. Then he put across the gate of the garden, he put flaming swords. Those are indicative of the Word of God. The sword is the Word of God. The flame is the Spirit of God. He did that to keep them from being eternally in covenant with the devil. Man is still in covenant with the devil, but not eternally. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago to give us the power to break that covenant. And we that are born again and saved, we have broken that covenant. Praise God. He is under our heel in Jesus' name. And so dominion was surrendered. Man surrendered it to Lucifer. And somebody said, why doesn't God do so and so? Because it's impossible for God to lie. And God can't just take it back because man is in covenant. And so Jesus Christ devised a plan, and that plan was called Calvary. And it was not taken back. It was purchased by his blood. By one man, Adam, sin came into this world. By the second Adam and the last Adam, righteousness came to this world. Jesus Christ is the last Adam. So we are faced today with the problem that this world is in disarray in every possible way. When you read the news, it's just shocking. The things that I find the most appalling is the surgery that they are doing on young children to reverse their sexual orientation. It's, it's, uh, that's the most ghastly thing that I've seen man do, but it's happening regularly now. What was called good is now evil. I saw that there was a 
beautiful woman on television. She's on one of the shows, and she was being mocked because she's 20-some years of age, and she is a virgin, and they mocked her because she was a virgin. We celebrate adultery. What is called good is now evil, and what was evil is now called good. That's where we are. But that should not surprise you because Jesus prophesied that. And the reason why this world is so out of kelter, as I've said, Satan is in league with man. I've said this many times. Satan has no power. Christ took all of Satan's power at Calvary. In fact, at Calvary, Jesus took it all. Satan doesn't even have a house anymore. When you see him, what's he doing? Going to and fro, looking for a place. The Bible said he's tired. He doesn't have a house Jesus took his name, kicked him out of heaven, and the only way that Satan is operating on is the power that he is getting from mankind. If everybody in the world was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, Satan would be out of business. What do you mean by that? What if everybody was saved and full of the Holy Spirit, there'd be no more rape, no more incest, no more murder, no more robbery? All of that would be gone. All of the works of the devil. And so Satan is living off the borrowed power of man. But God's got something he called a church. God loves his church. He called his church a bride. He gave his blood for his church. He said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are God's only hope. And so, friend, God is not going to give up on us. We're the church of the living God, the church that's come through the flood, the church that's come through the storm, and we will come through this generation victoriously according to the promise of the Word of God. And when Jesus was talking about the church and building that church, he asked Peter, said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter went through the litany of who people, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say, who do you say? I say thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, upon this rock, upon this revelation of who Christ is, I will build my church. The greatest thing that will ever happen to you is when you discover the identity of Christ. I see movie stars, wealthy people, rich people, political people, business people. On television, they always said, I'm just trying to discover who I am. You'll never know who you are until you know who Christ is. When you realize he is Emmanuel, God with us, it will change everything if you get that revelation. And Peter had that revelation. Peter had a lot of weaknesses in his life. You remember he denied Christ through a cussing fit. Lots of problems. He was a lot like you. And unfortunately, a lot like me. He was flesh. But the saving thing about it, he knew who Christ was. Jesus said, upon this rock, and he said, Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Christ knew at that moment that at the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, that's where the church started. It didn't start at the Gospels. The Gospel is the record of Christ's birth, life, death, resurrection. So that's not the church. The church began in Acts chapter 2. And Peter was the spokesman, and Jesus knew he was going to be the spokesman. So he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and you will use them at the appropriate time. 
And so when Peter stood up with the 11 at the birthday of the church and began to speak, the Bible said he stood up with the 11. And when he began to speak, they were pricked in their hearts. They being who? The very people that had crucified Christ were now standing listening to Peter. You think you're a sinner. You think you've done some terrible things and maybe the gospel is not available to you. Your sin is too great. None of you compare to the group that Peter preached to on the day. They physically, with their hands, crucified Christ. The Bible said we crucify him afresh, but that's a spiritual thing. They physically crucified Christ, and yet Peter was about to preach the gospel to them and tell them even though they crucified Christ, they could be saved. You talk about a loving God. You talk about a God that doesn't hold a grudge. The worst person you can deal with is the person that holds a grudge. They just won't get over it. If you're married to a grudge holder, you have my sympathy. Becky, if she holds grudges, at least she don't tell me. And I don't hold grudges. If somebody does something against me and they show any kind of remorse for it, I'm ready to go again. And so here they were, the people that crucified Christ, and he doesn't hold a grudge. He's about to introduce them to the kingdom of God. And they said, what can we do? What must we do? We crucified the one that is both Lord and Savior. We've crucified. What can we do? And Peter said, these are the keys. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those are the three keys that Christ gave to Peter. And he uses those keys to open the kingdom of God. You see, repentance is a wonderful thing. You don't you don't hear much about it in most churches. We, we use a lot of terminology that is man-made rather than scriptural. We talk about coming to Christ. That's kind of man-made. We talk about accepting Christ in our That's kind of man-made. The real scriptural word is repentance. What is repentance? Somebody said repentance is not tears. Repentance is change. And it really is. In the Greek, it means about face, 180 degrees. You turn around. Peter said, you've crucified Jesus, but you can turn around. Those of you that have crucified him now can become his followers. That's repentance. Repentance is a wonderful experience. It's unloading. It's carrying. That's the reason people go to a psychiatrist. How many people have a psychiatrist? Don't raise your hands. I've never been to a psychiatrist. People think I need to go. But my psychiatrist is Jesus. Because when you go to a psychiatrist, what are they going to have you to do? Unload. Tell them all of your problems, all of your hurt, how you were afflicted. Jesus already solved that 2,000 years ago. It's called repentance. Unload. And the good thing about it is your psychiatrist doesn't have the power to heal you. But if you will cast all your cares on Christ, repentance is a marvelous thing. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Some people think they get saved and for then on they're perfect, but they're not. As long as you're in this flesh, you're going to need the key of repentance. 
I die daily. There's not a day that I don't, that it goes by that I don't repent. Every day of my life, I just don't, I don't please myself, and so how can I please God? I look at myself, and I'm saying, man, I failed in that area. I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have been kinder here. I wish I'd have done this. And so every day I repent. It's a wonderful thing. But then Peter said, this is the second key. Again, churches place no emphasis on this. Most churches never mention water baptism. And it is so much a part. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized. The writer said, being baptized in the name of the Lord, washing away your sins. Baptism is a very important thing. Because repentance is what? Repentance is breaking the covenant with Satan that Adam and Eve made thousands of years ago. That's what repentance is. That's what it really means to come to Christ, is repent and break that covenant. But baptism is what? Baptism is being buried with Christ, the Bible said, and taking on his name. It's the signing of the document. Baptism is the signing of the document. It doesn't matter how well the document is prepared if you don't sign it. Meg and I redid our, our wills, and you'll be glad to know, Reba, we left everything to you. We redid our wills last week, and the, the attorney had typed them all out and spent a couple of weeks on them. We redo them about every 10 years. Not that we're getting more kids. I don't know why we do that, but we just bring them up today. But he had them all prepared. We had to go through those wills. He had misspelled my name. He left the N off of it. It's actually Stephen. We had to go through and make corrections. He had to get it all right. But then he said, but you've got to sign them. And I want a witness of your signature. So he brought two people in, and they notarized our signatures. That's what baptism is. Because the old covenant is broken because you have repented. But now, now, you get baptized into Christ. What does it mean? It means that you have applied to your life the name that is of every name. The Bible said the whole family in heaven and on earth is named in that name. The Bible said that every knee shall bow to that name. Every tongue shall confess to that name. And so if I am going to have dominion and power in my life, it's not going to be in the name of Steve Fender. I promise you that. Praise God. If you have to say, I saw a little show on TV and this guy was a, he was a, a chief of police in some little town and he got pulled over, I think in New York, for, for speeding in New York. And he kept saying, do you know who I am? Well, he was the chief of police in, I don't know where, some little town I never heard of. They were not impressed, but he kept saying, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Friend, if you have to tell them who you are, you ain't that very important. Don't ever say, do you know who I am? If they know, they'll take care of it. And if you have to tell them, it's not going to work. But the Bible said, I know God. And then he said, rather God knows me. I'm known in heaven. I'm known in hell. I'm known by the devil. 
because he recognizes the name that is above every name. He realized that the same keys that Peter had, I now have. I've shared this with you before. Pastor Becky and I went with, what's his name? To Jamaica? Jesse Dixon. Jesse Dixon, Becky and I, just the three of us, were some, I don't remember who paid for all this now, but they sent us to Jamaica and we had a plane and we'd preach about three times a day. We'd get in that plane, we'd fly somewhere, they'd dump us out, they'd have a crowd, we'd preach. Becky and Jesse would sing, I'd preach, on to the next place. And late, late, the, late that evening, they put us in nice hotels every day. We was there five days. And they put us in nice hotels. And I decided I'd take a walk in Jamaica. And Jamaica didn't used to have a lot of crime problems. They got a serious crime problem now. And somehow walking from my hotel, I got in a bad area by myself. It was just, just before dark. And I was in this bad area. And by the time I realized where I was, they were passed out by the hundreds just laying on the streets either overdosed or intoxicated, just stretched out there. And I knew I needed to get out of there and get back to where it was a safer area. And I started to turn. And as I did, one guy raised up out of a stupor, I mean, out of a dead stupor, pointed his finger at me, and he said, I know you. Your name is Steve Fender, and you are from San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a total stranger laid. Friend, I'm going to tell you what. I had goosebumps go up and down my backbone. You're going to hung your hat on. Because I knew that the devils in hell knew who I was. Friend, I'm going to tell you what. The devils in hell know who you are. Let me explain to you. The Bible said that the angels are your errand runners. Did you know that? The errand runners of salvation. Angels work for you. And devils are afraid of you. If you have repented and you've taken on the name of Jesus Christ, you have dominion and you have power. And the devil cannot borrow from you. The devil has to borrow from the unrepentant, the people that are still in covenant with him. But friend, we have broken that covenant. He can't take our money. He can't take our goods. He can't take our health. He can't take our strength. He can't take our joy. Praise God. Because we have dominion. We have dominion. And then Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, believe on me as the scripture hath said, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Spirit, for it was not yet given. Let's break that down for a moment. If you believe on me as the scripture hath said, believe on Jesus as the scripture said, not as the Baptists say, or the Pentecostals, or the Catholic. But what does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? I preached on that verse, and I just kept drilling home. Pastor Brandon said it was the greatest service he was ever in. I just kept preaching on that verse in Ohio. He that believe only me as the Scripture has said. And my conclusion was, if you're a Christian, and you don't have the Holy Spirit... You have not yet believed on Jesus as the Scripture has said. You might believe on Jesus, but not because when you believe on Jesus as the Scripture, it's, it's automatic. It's, it's, 
combustible. It just breaks out. It's just a fire. It happens. You don't have to seek. You don't have to tear. You don't have to beat the floor. You don't have to shake. You just believe on him as the scripture has said. And out of your belly shall flow the rivers of living water. And so the key to being filled with Holy Spirit is what? Just think about Jesus. Think about him as the scripture is it. Think about him being born as a baby. Think about him living that life of sinlessness. Think about him dying for your sins on the cross. Think about him walking out of that grave. Think about he is Emmanuel, God with us. Think about he is the bright and the morning star. Think about he is the creator. Think about he is the redeemer. Think about he is the soon coming king. Think about he is your mansion builder. Think about he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Think about the fact that he is the water you'll never thirst again. Think about he is the bread that cometh down from heaven. Think about he is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Think about he is your friend. Think about he is your elder brother. Think about he is your intercessor. Oh, you begin to think about him. Just keep thinking about it. Don't be distracted. And after a while, it will be like a gusher oil well. You hear it rumbling in the ground. It must be something. In Beaumont, Texas was the first gusher in America. It must be something when you're an oil man and you're drilling for oil and suddenly you hear, and you know you have hit so much oil down there that you, your equipment can't hold it back. It's going to come up a gusher and it begins to throw out that black, black, that black gold and it saturates everything around it. The same thing is true when you believe on Jesus. Jesus, as the scripture has said, and suddenly you are born again. You're filled with the Spirit of God, and the devil is wringing his hands, and demons are fleeing because they know the covenant is broken. They now you know they, they now know you have the name that is above every name, and they now know that you have fulfilled John 7:38, that there is a river flowing out of your belly, and you will forever be transformed and changed. Every demon knows it. Every devil knows it. Every angel knows it. Heaven celebrates it. There's joy in heaven. Everybody knows it. There has been a transformation in you.